Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, I'm Mark Schwarzer and welcome to a special edition of the Optus Sport Football Podcast. I'm here at Arsenal's training ground where I got a chance to catch up with all three Aussies, Jen Beattie of Scotland and Arsenal women's coach, Jonas Ardevelt. Let's get straight into it. Uh, Jonas, thanks for joining us. I want to talk to you about the start of the season. It's been a really tough one for Arsenal, um, particularly out in the Champions League and then the first couple of games at the start of the, of the new WSL season. What do you put that down to? Time. Time wasn't our friend in, uh, at the start of the season. We had really few days together before we went to this mini tournament in, in Champions League. And like you say, big disappointment, not being able to, to go through and go to the second round of playoffs. That led us into when we were going into the Liverpool game, the league opener. It's a 22-game league. You know that every league game matters so much. You're also in front of a big crowd at, at the Emirates and you want to perform really well on that occasion. And we didn't. And you have to improve. And I think that's what is what we have been doing here since that Liverpool game. We have kept improving, small steps, sometimes two steps forward and one step back. But the development is there, the progress is there, and we are a far better team now than we were there going into the league. I mean, the positive is after those first two games where the results weren't, weren't, weren't what you were hoping for, they've gone on four straight wins. Um, and more, more interesting was the last game against Leicester. You find yourself down 2-0 uh, at half-time. saw the game and I saw a picture of you standing on the side of the pitch and it's just like... It was, it was a, a picture of shock and disbelief of where you were because it wasn't a true reflection that first half, was it? No, I think it was an even first half. That was my initial thought. And we watched some clips in, in the coaching staff as well. And I saw the margin over here for us turning these situations into real advantages for us, it's so thin. It's like Caitlin Ford being able to shield the ball and turn inside, that's going to turn that into a massive opportunity. But... If she doesn't and she loses the ball, that turns the opportunity into to Leicester. And then it comes back to the question, do I back Caitlin Ford in her qualities that she can do that? I do. Then why would I substitute her? And you saw Caitlin Ford, she's got an unbelievable goal in the second half there. Um, how good a player has she become for you and how important has she become? Oh, very. I think she has some tremendous qualities in the way she can, she can turn on a dime, right? Uh, so sharp in, in her turns. Uh, really good coming inside with her right foot both for combination and, and for finishing i think the the third goal it's it's a brilliant finish uh, so such elegant and, and calm and composed finish but she combines that with a work rate and i think that's maybe what's make her really special in that like she's this really technical player great flair great creativity but she's also one of the hardest working players on the pitch. And when you get both of that, that's of course turns into a world-class player. Clara Cooney-Cross, obviously all Aussie fans who watched, certainly watched the Matildas at the World Cup, saw, got a taste of how good a player she has become. Um, and obviously you picked up on that early enough and Arsenal had signed her. She's now finding her place within this team. And she made a delivery in the box is outstanding. She's a real workhorse as well. She is. Uh, obviously where Caitlin has been here a long time, where Kyra is coming, she's coming from the World Cup and being exposed here, playing with the Matildas in front of huge crowds, but she's coming from the, from the Swedish league and Hammarby, which is a great side, won the Swedish championship, but it's still a big difference in, at the level of football compared to what we have at, at Arsenal. So obviously she's being a young player, she will have to grow in every aspect of the game. For her, being controlling the ball, being a great passing player, she's excellent at that already, also in our environment. Now comes all the other things into being like, how, how do you handle a higher training load? How do you handle all the challenges that comes with that? Your nutrition, your aftercare, your pre-activation, all those things that 
small margins, but when you combine them together, it's going to make the big difference if you're going to be successful on this level or, uh, or not. Uh, and it's been great seeing Kyra coming in, picking up on that, starting to develop into the group. And I have to be honest, I'm so pleased of her performances, both in the League Cup against Bristol, but also now against Leicester, that she could come in and she could showcase um, to, to our fans and, and to the rest of the team what a great football player she is. I have to mention Steph Catley. Um, she was outstanding for Australia at the World Cup. She, at times, led as captain. Um, took responsibility of taking penalties as well in that first game against the Republic of Ireland. Um, we've, you know, she's a for us, Matilda. She's she's such an important player. She's becoming that here at Arsenal as well, isn't she? Oh, definitely. And I think one thing that is fascinating with Steph is that everything you ask her about, she manages to do, and it's just such an incredible feature to have as a player and sometimes I have to remind myself of that as a coach to be like do not put the bar too low for Steph Catley because if you put it a little bit higher she might very well be able to jump over that so you, so you sort of always have to remind yourself there I think to be like okay maybe we can do it a little bit higher maybe it is possible for her to even be a little bit better for it um, because so far she's always reacted in a in a fashion which almost outgrow uh, the expectations. And that's incredible. You've had uh, a tough year with injuries. Um, Vivian Minamar, Beth Mead, um, Leah Williamson. Um, but obviously with Beth Mead and, and Vivian Minamar coming back now, you've got Alana Riss, uh, uh, Alessia Russo coming in uh, in the summer as well. There's a lot of competition now up front. Blackstenius as well, who did extremely well uh, last season, did had a good World Cup. How do you firstly keep them all happy? I mean, I know, I know you've got Beth and uh, um, Vivian coming back now. They're sort of finding their way back to fitness, but how are you going to keep them all happy? How are you going to find places in the team for them? I think happy, I'm not sure if that's the right word, motivated. Yeah. I think it's the important word in it to say like, how, how do you keep everyone motivated and everyone driven yeah. to become the best version of themselves? Then I do understand that the, like, the feeling of happiness is going to be connected if you get selected to play or not. Of course. I mean, it's, it's a reason why, why you play football as well. One of the reasons is you want to play football. Another reason why you choose a team sport is because you want to be successful with a team. And being a team player sometimes involves you not being on the pitch. Sometimes that means supporting the other players that are playing. Sometimes that means providing the best possible opponent in training, for example, to making sure that the team is, is better. And I think it's about reminding of those two different mindsets to be like, yes, you can be motivated about trying your very best to play, but you also need to be the best possible teammate. And that sometimes involves you not playing. And it sometimes involves thinking about how do you want the others to act when they are not playing? What's your goal for Arsenal Football Club in the next couple of years? to win that that has to be our our point um, and that's that's what we all want to do is to win and we've won the league cup we went to the semi-final in the champions league so we know we have the capability of going to the later stages in the best tournaments or to win domestic titles but now we need to transform that into being able to win a league being able to win the FA Cup, being able to go in, in Europe and go further than we've done ever before. Um, or as only English team that has done it before to do it again. I think that's what's driving me. And, and that's what we need to do here in, in the coming years. And that's the ambition of the club. Uh, that's the ambition of the players. That's the ambition of me. Uh, is that going to be easy? No. Is that going to be with a lot of competition from other teams, both in England and, and around? Absolutely, it's going to be. It's going to be super difficult to do it. That's why we need to invest every little bit of ourselves into the project. And arguably the most challenging and most competitive league ever in the WSL, certainly this season. Yeah, by far. Like, just to see the growth both on the so-called top teams, but also the rest of the teams, like the investment in the squad, the investment in the facilities that the, that the teams have, uh, how more and more teams play on, on bigger stadiums. It's great to see the growth 
of it. Um, and, and this is, I think, everything that we hoped for three seasons ago. Now we just need to keep pushing. Because the reality is still that the best teams in Europe, they are not in England. They are in Spain, they are in France, they are in Germany. They are the teams that, that win the Champions League. And we need to push. It has to be English teams winning the Champions Leagues again. And that means more investment. Uh, so, yes, it's the most competitive it's ever been. It's good. Now, what's next? I wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. Thank you. I also caught up with Caitlin Ford and Kyra Cooney-Cross, where we gave them some lucky dip questions to answer. What's your favourite Arsenal chant? Kyra Cooney-Cross, cross, cross. <laughs> no, you watch your new one. Your new one's good. Sing it. I don't know, the, the start of it. When she's There's on, nothing I'd rather do than watch a 32 Kyra Cooney-Cross. Cross, cross. Oi, oi, no, oh, yeah. oi, oi. When she's on the ball, she's magical. Cross. How cool is that? That's good. What about when you first time you heard that? How yeah, I thought feel? it was pretty sick. Because <laughs> the, they had a song before that, and it was just, it was Kara Cooney, Cross, 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 and then they changed it to that one. Is that the first time you've ever, like, other than being here at Arsenal before that, like, have you had any songs about you? No, never. So this is the first time. But Chloe's is good too. Chloe's, Chloe Lacasse's is very yeah. good. Yeah. All of them are good, to be fair. They're all yeah. catchy, like, when I'm playing and they're singing them, I catch myself singing them oh, in really? my head no as well. Yeah. Playing? No yeah. way. Oh, wow. Singing along with them, yeah. Have you heard Caitlin's? No, I haven't. Go sing it. Where you sing it? <laughs> you sing it. <laughs> <laughs> they sing it together. <laughs> Do you even know it? Yeah, she's red, red. She's, she's white. She, she loves, loves a Vegemite. Vegemite. Caitlin Ford. <laughs> Caitlin Ford. The question is Do you like your Vegemite? I do like Vegemite, so yeah. Have you tried Marmite? Yeah, not a fan. Not, yeah, see, it's one of those ones, isn't it? People generally either like Vegemite or like Marmite. Yeah. Very few like both. I feel like it's whatever you grew up on yeah. is what yeah. you like. Ready? Who would win a game between 11 Caitlin Fords and 11, 11 Kyra Cooney Cross? 11 Caitlin Fords. <laughs> <laughs> Our defending wouldn't be very good, so it's probably whoever's attacking mm. the most. No, you're aggressive in defending. Yeah, but. Not great. So definitely, you, you both agree, it'd be definitely okay. yeah. 11 Caitlin Fords. I'll bash her, okay. yeah. <laughs> Is that because she's a better finisher than you? Definitely, and because she's more aggressive than me. So you fancy yourself as a goalkeeper then? So you you think goalkeeper, yeah. Be I'll put goalkeeper myself in goals before really, her you? as well. Would no. you put your hand up if there was a goalkeeper being sent off no one else would go in, would you go in? If I, I think I wouldn't be the first choice in this team, but I, I would. Would you? Yeah. Apart from football, which sport do you think you could beat the other at? Rugby league. <laughs> Did you grow up with rugby league, Caitlin? Yeah, I grew up watching it and I wanted to play, but... Who was your team? Uh, Manly. Manly, no, see, I was the Belmain Tigers. All right. Until they went to West, and obviously yeah. West Tigers. Yeah. How about you, Kyra? Tennis. Tennis. Yeah, you, you were I Actually, I used to play and I had to decide between tennis and football. So I think tennis. No regrets? No. <laughs> Would you rather play football barefoot or in boots five sizes too big? Football boots five sizes too big. Really? Yeah. Because it hurts on your feet if you kick the ball. Yeah, but I think you get used. You'll be tripping over yourself. <laughs> Growing up in Australia, you would have played barefoot football, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's how I grew up. And I think it, like your feet get used to it. Like, yes. I think when you're a kid, you, you run on concrete and it's fine. But now if you did it, it would be painful. Mm. Other than the bindies, right? Yeah, the bindies. Which not many people understand what we're talking no, about when we say no. bindies. That's yeah. the worst, walking on grass and then, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is Kyra's annoying little sister tag deserved? Why? Yeah. But what does she do to annoy you? Just like everything, like just annoying <laughs> things like what your little sister do, like just walk up behind the change room and like grab me or like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't even have examples. I do, but. I heard interrupting interviews, is that true? Interrupting interviews, yeah. I got told to do that though, actually. Did you? Yeah, but didn't take much for you to go and do it. No, I'd happily do that. Is, is Kyra the most annoying in the team or is someone else who supersedes her? Her and Taya, another young one, I'd say they're pretty similar. They're both like little sisters, so. What about for you, Kyra? Who, who in the team is annoying for you? 
I don't know. Herself. You had a chance then to go back. Everyone's very mature. <laughs> Is it too mature, are they? Yeah. No, I think we have a good mix in the team, actually. Just you. You yeah, take the top just spot. Me. Favourite memory from this year's World Cup? Beating Canada at Amy Park. Best game. Yeah. Um, that was good. And obviously the penalty shootout, I think it's one that we'll never forget. And I mean, the rest of Australia as well. I think that penalty shootout had every high and low. Um, and it was just about riding the wave. And finally on our third chance, we, we finished it off and got through. So I think it was just a relief. and finally coming over that hurdle of getting past the quarterfinal stage as well. It was just massive. When you think back at the World Cup now, um, what, what's the one thing you look back at probably the blows your mind more than anything about that World Cup? I think it was just the impact that it had. I think after the games, when we'd see footage from the viewing sites and the crowds and people just going crazy. I think we never would have imagined to have that impact on the country. So, yeah, I think that was probably the biggest surprise for us. Kai, what was it like for you? Because obviously being one of the younger players in the team and mm. being a main player as well, and, and you know, a couple of years beforehand, probably not even thinking that was going to be a possibility for you. Yeah, uh, it was an amazing experience. And I agree with Caitlin, like, I'm surprised how big our crowds were and how many People were watching us on TV and um, when we walked out of the hotel on game days, everyone was right there um, watching us go on the bus. And like now, when you walk around in the streets, everyone knows who you are. Um, and before the World Cup, that never would have happened. Is that the weirdest thing that's come out of the World Cup for you? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I think that and then just like we go get coffee and we're getting like papped, you know what I mean? Like, or just going to get coffee, like there's nothing to see. And <laughs> you see that in the Daily Mail or whatever it is. And I think that just never would have happened before the World Cup. So it shows the impact it has. Like people don't want to just know us as footballers now. They want to know your personal life. They want to know what you're doing. And that just wasn't there before. Do you see it as a positive? That whole off the field stuff? So like obviously the attention on the field is massively positive. Mm -hmm. The negative, is that a negative to you or is it something you feel like you're embracing? Um, I think it's nice to be recognised, obviously, but I think it is a negative when you are just trying to go out and get a coffee or, you know, something in your personal life happens and then that's out in the world. Like, yeah, your personal life's your personal life, isn't it? So I think that can be a bit annoying and it's something that, you know, we see a lot in men's football, but it's starting to come into the women's game as well. And I think that just shows the growth of the game as well. And growing up, obviously being one of the younger players now, seeing the growth of the game, that negative side, you're not someone who loves to be in front of the camera, but it's something you've got to kind of almost get used to, do you feel? Yeah, I definitely have to get used to it. And I feel like for so long, I've been able to avoid doing interviews and stuff, but now I think, yeah, Monday I have more. to. Not anymore. <laughs> no, I have, I have to deal with it now. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think the World Cup was the best thing for us. What's a funny story about Steph Catley that the viewers might not know? No, she's, she's very goofy. Yeah, I think Steph comes across maybe, don't get me wrong, she's very mature, and but everyone has a silly side to them or a goofy side to them, um, which I don't think many people would expect from Steph. Trying to think of maybe an example or something, but nothing's come to my head. I mean, just then in the change room, she was dancing around with yeah. like some of the other girls um, to she untouched She some weird, Veronica. silly faces as well sometimes. Yeah. Can she dance? Well, they, they weren't being serious, but um, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> if you weren't a footballer, what would your dream career be? I've no idea. So you had no plan B? I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> Did you have a plan B, Caitlin? No. Because you've come through a different generation, right? So yeah. now you're kind of like, you've been benefited in terms of the way the game's evolved. So now it's a, it's a full-time sport and yeah. there's good money to be earned. Whereas previously it was, you were sort of right at the beginning of still almost semi-professional at times, right? Yeah. No, I didn't really have a plan B, but I think I always wanted to be in sport. So whatever that was, as I said before, rugby league, but yeah, football obviously grabbed my attention and I went overseas early and yeah, I was able to make a career of it and 
I guess was a part of that um, change in the game. So yeah, I was lucky enough to just stay with football and yeah, not really have to think about anything else where I think the generation just before, they were probably the ones that had to. I think mine was when it just started. Um, so I was lucky. What, I'd be intrigued to know, why did you choose football over rugby league? Considering um, how popular rugby league is, certainly from yeah. know, in, in different parts of New South Wales in particular. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was 16, kind of 15, 16, um, yeah, for women, it wasn't as big as what it is now. Um, I was more in touch football um, and I had travelled overseas with the under-17s and I guess I got a taste of what it was like to play for Australia and, yeah, what that felt like to travel and to just be able to be with your mates and play the game you love. So it was, at the end of the day, an easy decision for me to stick with football. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, you talk too much. You're not talking enough. I'm talking for both of you. Keep it that way. <laughs> Caitlin, talk us through your tattoos. Does Kyra have any? No, I don't have any. Any plans? No, no, no plans. She's clean. Um, the one I have under here is my nan's date of birth, who is still with us, um, but we're just super close. So a little something there. Um, this one's my dog, Peach. I just went to a really good tattoo artist and he was good at like portraits and stuff like that. So I thought, why not? This was my first one <laughs> when I was 18. It's meant to be me and my sister. Um, I originally wanted to get like dresses and then our favorite colors. And I asked her what her favorite color was and she said um, brown. So I had to change plan a little bit. Um, and then this one on my calf, I got when I was in Japan. It's just the globe with Australia and then, yeah travel and stuff like that. And then I have one on the back of my arm here and it's just with two friends. Cool, any plans for any other ones? No, I, I don't want any more. Do I think if I'd remove them all, I, I would, so. Oh really, would yeah. you? Yeah. I'd like to be clean, so stay that way. <laughs> nice to know. <laughs> okay, last one. Don't read it. <laughs> I'm trying to be a good one. I mean, you're gonna say Melbourne for that one. Okay. Would you rather score a last minute winner or a hat trick? A last minute winner. Yeah, I would agree. What happens if the last minute winner is the hat trick? Then you get the best of both worlds, so <laughs> I'll take that as well. Good choice. There's one that's pretty cool. Can I, I'll just quickly have a look. I'll get it out to you. Oh, I'll read it out to you. Who would win in an arm wrestle between Jonas Eidervall oh. and Tony Gustafsson? Oh. I thought you were going to say arms yeah, because we actually not, did this recently. Did really? yeah. um, I'm going to say Tony just because I've seen him. He's in the gym sometimes with us and I've never seen Jonas in the gym. But maybe he goes later, I don't know. I agree, I think Tony. Has he got more of a feisty side to him? I'm not sure actually. I think they both, it would be a good battle. Would it? Yeah. Okay, now onto your one. Who would win between the two of you? Hey, did you win, did you? <laughs> Yes, I did. No, you, <laughs> you, you got up. You were like, <laughs> they recognise using my body, but really, yeah. And so then we're fatigued so there's a after there's that. There's a rematch coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. After a couple of sessions in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And finally, I sat down with Steph Catley and Jen Beattie, where we got to talk about World Cup, Arsenal, and the WSL. Okay, girls, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I just want to talk about the two of you play together back in 2016, mm -hmm. back in yep. Melbourne, Melbourne City. It's very rare, well, you don't see it too often, maybe in the women's game a little bit different, but you don't see it too often that you spend a lot of time together and you're not back at the same club together, yeah. they form a really good relationship. Is that how you've kind of found it? Yeah. I'd say so, yeah. I mean, we're, we joke all the time, but we're literally neighbours now. <laughs> we live above each other's apartment. Um, but no, 100%. I, I look back at those times, like, so fondly. And it's crazy to think it was, like, eight years ago that we first met and played out in Melbourne together. But, yeah, you were so young. What yeah. We just said you were 21, 21, a bit of a baby. I was only 24, I think. Mm -hmm. I remember it now. What a team, by the way. <laughs> Wasn't it great? Yeah. Cromer, Study, Devana, Kim, Fishlock. Mazzy. Oh, my God. Bree Davey. Ledge. What a gal. Yeah. It was such a great team. So we were undefeated, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but 100%. I think I was already back at Arsenal and then kind of through the grapevine found out that Steph was signing mm -hmm. and straight away I was just like, is it true? Are you coming? Like, <laughs> I was buzzing. Like, she's an absolute legend. So, yeah. 
I was buzzing to be teammates again. So you would have lived in a t-shirt the whole time being oh, Scottish shorts, as well. I'm in shorts yeah. even now and it's November, so I'm like, yeah, it's no opportunity to get back in. Well, steady. Um, <laughs> move on to the WSL. You've been involved in WSL since 2009. Mm. The game has come a long way since then, hasn't it? Oh, it's amazing. I, like, I think every time I talk about it, I count myself so lucky to still be a part of it, to be perfectly honest. I'm 32 and... I think Wolfsburg's obviously the, the perfect example. When we played them in the Champions League, 10 years prior, we'd had that exact same fixture at Boreham Wood in front of 1,400 people, I think. So to then be playing it at a sold-out Emirates, that was it was a pinch-me moment in a, in a semi-final of a Champions League. So to see the games grown, to be at a club like Arsenal that are backing it incredibly, you know, the support staff, the, the sort of infrastructure that they've built to, to really push the game on, because we can do as much as we can as players, but it's the clubs and it's the sort of media that, that really push it and back it. Um, so to see that, that that growth that's happened, I mean, the acceleration in the past couple of years has been insane. So yeah, I count myself incredibly lucky to, to still be a part of it. The game's certainly been taken seriously now, Steph, even since the time you've been here since 2020. Mm -hmm. How much mm -hmm. has it changed for you being at a club like Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, even if when you think back to life at Melbourne back then, you think about the infrastructure like Jenny was talking about, the club here, how much they care about us as a team. I think behind the scenes, the way they push our team for ticket sales, you know, to, to sell out the Emirates and to get crowds. I think our club does that probably better than most women's clubs around the world at the moment. And like Jenny, I feel really lucky to be here and um, I'm very much at home, love playing here, um, feel very well looked after in every facet. And I think, you know, growing up in the football world in Australia, you know, at other clubs, I've been to America, um, it's come so far and, and to be full-time professionals now and to you know, be able to do what we love every single day uh, at this level is definitely very special. You, look, you seem like one, you're, you're definitely one person who's actually embraced the whole explosion of the popularity and the exposure to media and you've, you've embraced that side of it. Do you feel that it's still an element that is difficult for some players to embrace and something that probably need to, to sort of like come up with the times, the way that the game's developed? Probably. I think it is something that you roll along with and that you try and develop as you go because it does change every single day and obviously there's more sorry Winnie. <laughs> hi Winnie. hi Winnie. i couldn't see you as soon as you came in <laughs> i was like why are you laughing then you saw it are you best interruption ever yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I think we it's something. A therapy doll. Like yeah, like, oh, exactly. Like, not yeah. sum it up. Look at the joy that that just brought. Oh no. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that you do adapt with. I think even at the World Cup, um, the changes from being in Australia previous to that to obviously then the attention and the newspapers and the being on TV and all of the interviews, the press conferences being completely packed. Um, everything being scrutinized. I think that's stuff that you just kind of adjust with and, and learn from as you go. But I think definitely for some of the young players coming into it that have had no exposure, it can be a little bit daunting and something. But I suppose that's the same as a male player coming in now. It's just gone to another level and that's something you've got to learn as you go. But for some of us that have probably been around a bit longer, the change is just night and day. Is that the difficulty thing probably for someone like yourself as well, Jen? Like because of the explosion in the game to have to change on your feet really I mean you're involved in media anyway mm. so can you see the difference between the two sides and how much has exploded oh I, I definitely I'll, I'll never forget going through a pretty tough spell football wise and reading the criticism and I was just like whoa that's that's it was quite a rare thing we haven't we hadn't Sandwich. had that exposure but it comes part and parcel with it I don't think if we want to be respected on a level and we need to be able to understand that that's part and parcel of the game having more exposure and criticism comes with it. You know, mm. we, we deal with it on a daily basis mm -hmm. in, in the club. Um, you know, that, that's a normal thing. That's what pundits are there to do. It's what fans are there to be, to enjoy every aspect of football. And I think it's kind of, you just have to be mindful of what you're reading and what mm. you're not, I think, and, and kind of tailor that towards you. Because of course it can have an impact, mm. you know, when you read great things or, or really negative things. I think it's trying to keep yourself in a little middle space of not believing too much of it. Does it get talked about much in the change room about what someone said, commentary? Because it does in men's game. When I was yeah. involved, you'd often go, oh, did you see that? See what he said? 
and especially when they're a well-known person mm. and you kind of almost value their opinion be beforehand <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's, def it's not as like openly spoken about i think i think a lot of people if, if they were if someone was to read something and bring it up it'd be like why are you reading that or why are you bringing yeah. sort of negative energy into the change room yeah. i think we kind of <clears throat> would want to have the mindset of nothing gets in nothing gets out mm. um but I definitely have been teammates with people who have really struggled with with reading negative comments about them online because it's it's a downward spiral. Once you start reading something, you might read something else, and it's mm. it's never going to lead to anything good. That's kind of what I think. So I think yeah. it's just about encouraging teammates that knowing that they're on a good space, it's a safe space within with our environment, and trying to not trying to read it too much online. Steph, was that in the World Cup? Was that a, uh, <clears throat> something that you were very conscious of because of being in Australia? having the focus on you, that many people interested in how the Matildas were doing. And then when it doesn't go to plan right off the, right off the beginning, it just opens up even more to scrutiny, right? Is yeah. that something that was really difficult for the team to deal with? I don't know, it's hard to say because I think everyone handles the social media side of things very differently. Like I chose personally to switch off from it. I would only have a look at something every now and then if it was um, like a, a funny TikTok or something like that. Like I was really strategic about what I did on my phone and chose to block most of it out. But then there's people that will sit there and scroll and be all over it, watching videos, reading tweets. And I think it just depends on who you are and how you can handle it. You know, there was moments, obviously if you think about, you know, Ellie in the semi-final where people just came after her. And I just remember feeling so much anger because it was coming from all these people that had probably never watched her for the last mm. 10 years okay. how many times she yeah. saved us and how amazing she's been in every single game and she has this one little slip up and everyone tells her she's the worst footballer in the world yeah. and I think she you can't help but see things sometimes because that was so much in the public eye and people obviously going up to, to her and saying you know um did you see this or whatever so she can't avoid it and I think I saw that take a real toll on her and that was hard to watch um, so yeah, it's hard. You, you kind of have to pick and choose what you read. And like I said, for everyone it's different, but sometimes it's slapped in front of your face and it's, yeah, not that enjoyable. Yeah. Do you, have you had a chance to think about the World Cup and about the impact it had? And do you still, does it still blow your mind how big it was and, and, and how it was received in Australia? Yeah, I mean, like we were saying, it's, it's been such a whirlwind and such a quick turnaround to coming back here and to getting straight back into it. We had Champions League qualifiers, I think maybe eight, eight to 10 days sort of later. So I never really stopped and reflected in that moment. We just kind of got straight into football, but I had a little break um, after a chunk we had and just some time to sit and think about it and talk about it with family and reflect on some of the amazing things that we did. And I did have a week straight after the tournament finished and being in Melbourne and, and people coming up to you and saying how what we did impacted their lives how it impacted their daughter grandma friends it was like there was obviously males that were empowered by it as well but it was hearing these stories about empowering women that were really amazing to hear yeah. and people would come up and start crying and it just it was crazy the impact and it was it was from all different ages and um shapes and sizes so uh yeah it was amazing and i have reflected a little bit but i think Eventually, I need to take some more time to <laughs> sit and watch some things and figure it all out. But. Jen, how much of it did you watch? Did you watch a lot of the games? Oh, loads. I yeah. mean, I was obviously Scotland didn't qualify, yeah. so I didn't have the opportunity to be out there as a, as a player. But I, I did a lot of work around it, whether, whether it was punditry or in-studio analysis. So I was I was constantly watching it. And it, it was by far the best quality, I think, a major tournament I've ever seen across the board in terms of products on the pitch. Um, quality of the media that was covering it, just as a whole, I thought again. <clears throat> but that's that's become a consistent thing for me. I think the Euros kind of started that in, in England, and now I genuinely think every tournament that happens now there's a benchmark level of of what attention it will bring and what it can do to a country in order to kind of change the perception of of women's football. We've seen it firsthand in the WSL of the impact of England winning uh, the Euros at Wembley and how incredible the, the aftermath of that. And I think that's why I was so buzzing for you guys to, to be able to experience that in, in Australia. But honestly, I thought it was incredible because, I mean, I don't have to sit here and, and tell you about sport in Oz, but you guys have a lot of popular sports. So it's like women's football wasn't necessarily at the top, whereas now I think it can it can definitely mm. compete with all the other sports that you, that you guys play. Mm. Well, a great example of that is, which I've never ever seen <clears throat> before, is AFL matches. 
and putting on the big screen, penalty shootout. Yeah. People not actually in the stadium, but in on the concourses, mm -hmm. watching every little TV screen of that penalty shootout yeah. on a plane. Did you see their footage on the plane? Yeah, I mean, the Emirates flight. I think it's it was, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, crazy. And then Fed Square as well. That, for me, being a Melbourne girl and growing up around sports, every iconic moment, Melbourne people go to Fed Square yeah. and it's packed out, there's flares, whatever. So, like, yeah. obviously, you guys had a lot of different experiences of that. For me, going online and seeing that after the game, I, was, I had tears. Like, it was oh, just such an so iconic cool. moment. And it was very, definitely very wild special. on the ground, don't worry. I, I, um, yeah. I got exposed to a bit of it as well, which was really yeah. good um, <laughs> in and around the stadiums and everything else. So it was, yeah, it was absolutely amazing occasion. Let's move on to the WSL right now. Six games in, um, hasn't been the best of starts, but a lot of that, speaking to your manager, obviously a lot of that also has to do with, you mentioned as well, how little time you've had to prepare for this uh, start of this season. So many players missing, some players coming back from injuries. Mm. Is this the toughest the WSL has ever been? Jen, obviously you've got the most experience here, but I'd love to hear from both of you on that. Yeah, and like I, I don't want to sound like a broken record because I, I do think I probably sit in, in pre-season every year and, and say the same thing, that it's getting more and more. Well, that's what you want, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%, but it's, it's the, I guess the, the outcome of teams going professional from, from a number of years now and, and clubs really backing and investing in the women's teams. But 100%, it is without a doubt, there's no game that you can look at and be like, that's going to be an easy one. I think and our season maybe sums that up, that we, we have found it difficult. And of course, we can sit here and say that, yeah, the World Cup had a huge impact. We didn't have a lot of time together. It was, it was really, really difficult to get into a flow and, and build momentum from what was it eight training sessions mm. we had going into our first game which which is insane and that, that's not great prep whatsoever but it is credit to the league that have made it super competitive that um teams are you know competing at all levels and the, the table kind of speaks for itself so far in, in the league so far so yeah it is beyond difficult and it's by far the most competitive league i've seen unfortunately for us <laughs> yeah you can physically feel the difference though i think like really? yeah, yeah i feel like in the past <clears throat> Um, when teams have sort of sat off against us yeah. it's just it's complete domination that you're like you're really calm and you're sort of like it's coming you know it's coming but the way they set up the way they transition the players they've got there's technical ability there's power speed you know they're set up so well that it makes breaking them down sometimes really frustrating yeah. and really difficult and the quality of everything they're doing the coaching standard everything has just gone up to another level so you can physically feel the difference from year to year it just gets harder and harder and i think yeah. i think also the amount of internationalists coming into the league like yeah. has gone insane now you've got top top players signing for all clubs in the wsl just because they want to play in the wsl which yeah. i think speaks for itself kind of before our, you go back five, six years and it would kind of, there weren't really that many big big names spread across the league. Whereas now you look at all teams and there's teams on the team sheet, you're thinking like, watch out for them or, you know, a big internationalist player that has done a lot in Europe or in WSL or, yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel that speaks volumes as well. The amount of top players coming into the league. It's a reflection also of your squad, right? <laughs> so you've probably got the strongest squad that you've ever had here at Arsenal as well. I mean, Alessio Russo coming in, obviously Kyra Cooney-Cross, which, Matilda's teammate had a fantastic World Cup as well. She seems to have slotted in very comfortably, very easily. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. And it, probably she's making it look easier than it is, which is obviously a good thing. Um, and the, the match the other day against Leicester was a prime example of her, I think, feeling the most comfortable she's felt in an Arsenal shirt, obviously getting back-to-back -back starts. Um, I think I saw her come out of her shell a little, little bit as a player and I saw her like she is for us, for the Matildas, and it was really nice to see how confident she was and how much she sort of enjoyed the game and took it on. And um, yeah, she's going to be incredible for us. She's so young and she's got so so many amazing midfielders and players around her that she can learn from. And um, yeah, she's going to be incredible. She's a bit of an annoying little, little sister, isn't she? Because that's what I've heard. That's what I've been told. Is that true? That's what you say to her. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she is. She's like, she's literally that annoying sister <laughs> that you love. Kid, like, but sure. yeah, she's just got that annoying. She's always poking you or grabbing you or jumping on you or saying something that you're like, oh, like, give it a rest. But she's funny. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. she's a ball of energy. Yeah. Pure positive. Wants to learn. You could tell, I think, from, from week one, she's already asking, like, him little questions or you know trying to get those little and I think if you're showing that at such a young age 
I mean, she's already established with you guys, but yeah. from a club level, you can tell she, she wants to learn and, and become the best and she's got some character to go along with it. We yeah. did ask her a question earlier on about, was this something that the viewers might not know about you, Steph? And she <laughs> said you were a bit goofy. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so I just... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that. So yeah. you, you can agree with that as well, can you? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so yeah, you've got dancing in the training room this morning. In the, uh, I, I heard. Well, you've all seen yeah. Strawberry Kisses, though. Oh, like, that that's was, true. That was, yeah. Like, yeah. That shows Steph's goofy side. Yeah. Absolutely. We were dancing to the Veronica's Way actually there. today. Yeah. There you go. The Aussie bangers of coming course. up. Of course. <laughs> so there's a big Aussie influence now in the changing room, certainly with music. Actually, Vic Pullova pulled that one out. She started doing the intro to it. With their, she was just doing it with her voice. And then I realized it was the Veronica's and I was like, what? Oh, the Aussie? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Sisters from <laughs> yeah, like Brisbane or something. Yeah. Brought them, eh? I yeah. know, there you go. Let's talk about the last game. Leslie, you mentioned it just before there. 2-0 down at halftime. I mean, it wasn't a reflection on the, the performance in that first half. You were a little bit unlucky also to find yourself 2-0 down. I'd be interested to know what was said at halftime. <laughs> Everyone's Everyone asking this. Hey, yeah, they think there was it's some so like because there's no subs mate, right? <laughs> yeah, because so like, there's no subs mate, right? And I asked, no. I asked yeah. the manager about whether or not he had the the thought or the the first reaction was to make subs because that's what you generally expect from the manager. And he said, mm. "Yeah, I did," but then I started to realize and think about what quality I did have on that pitch, mm. and obviously the discussions you had at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's been so many memes and TikToks out about funny. what happened. There was one of, they said it was Viv going around the changes. <laughs> so she didn't do that? No, no she I could didn't. Believe that. She was in there though, and she <laughs> was, I feel like everyone was very calm and it was um, very logical, mm. tactical giving ideas what can be better we watched a couple of clips but it was mostly just discussions and Viv was helping out she was in there chatting and I think that was the best we've reacted after being in that situation yeah. since I've been in this team it just felt like we're okay we know what we're doing stick to the task do your role just amp it up we just need to be better in a b and c and it was yeah, yeah as logical as that and there was no panic and I yeah. think that was the best thing for us you were tweeting quite. You were quite active on social media as the game was being played, right? Yeah, I was. I were just you? kept. Well, yeah, because I was just <laughs> <laughs> in a positive way. Like, okay. She did say. Yeah, I think Steph's a bit tired, Alyssa. <laughs> 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 no, okay. no. Steph's not at her spaggy beat. Like, <laughs> She's looking goofy as ever, Alyssa. Uh, yeah. like. <laughs> no, I no, I was just buzzing because it was like four goals in eleven minutes or something insane, yeah. and I think at any level. That is insane. Mm. Like, there's no better reaction than that. And that kind of, as soon as we got the first goal early in the second half, I was like, right, we're signed. That's the reaction. You could see it though mm. from the like instantly when that second half kicked off. That yeah, it was gonna be absolutely fine. But I wasn't. I don't think I was expecting six goals. No. I'm not gonna lie. But <laughs> four goals in 11 minutes is insane. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was. Just giving some energy on Twitter, that's all. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. And I was looking at you just then as if you were in the change room. I yeah. completely forgot you were yeah, there. You were like, <laughs> what do you think? You I was know, like, right? yeah. No, I'm all for the memes and the TikToks yeah. that were being made. That's what I saw. I mean, that's in, I mean, I spoke to you back in the last season quite a few times. We talked about the injury impacts that were happening here at Arsenal, mm. obviously, with, uh, you know, Vivian Minimar being out, Beth Mead, Lydia, uh, Leah Williamson. So they're coming back now. Obviously, two of them are back. Leah's probably around January time, maybe around that time. Mm. How important has that been? You've mentioned there Vivian Miyamath being influential in that change room. Is that something you possibly missed at the back end of last season? Yeah, I mean, if you think about the quality of the player that you're taking out of the team times five or more, um, the impact is massive. Like if you think about taking Millie Bright, Sam Kerr, Guru Run, for instance, yeah. that, that quality yeah. of player yeah. out of Chelsea, the, the, it's a huge impact and it's a ripple effect on the entire team but the fact that we're we got through that period and you know we did well in that period and other people got to step up like if you look at Vic Pullover maybe the year that she had last year where she played so many minutes she wouldn't have had otherwise and now she's absolutely flying so there's sort of advantages to that with the the squad but then if you bring those players back in now and we've already strengthened you know everyone in the squad it's kind of frightening to imagine yeah. our squad at full strength and what that can do. Yeah, I, th I think we do have a pretty good culture in that sense though, that even the injured girls, like, even if you look at the back end of last season, I will never, like, I can't underestimate, like, I can't emphasize enough, sorry, the amount of impact that the likes of Leah, Beth, 
all had in terms of positivity and, and backing the team that's on the pitch. And I do think that's come into this season as well. You've got Kim Little sat, sat in meetings trying to give you two cents where you can. And so it's it's kind of a squad effort in mm -hmm. that sense. But 100 percent, you, you get Bristol, I think, was the prime example. Viv comes off the bench for a matter of minutes and she's slotted the absolute most perfect ball through for Beth Mead and that could yeah. be a goal for her. It was her, like refreshing, wasn't it, yeah, when yeah, I it was saw like, that? Ah, that's what I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she, oh, she, she was at a level that not few players can touch. Mm. So like, yeah, but it was it was cool to see her have that much of an impact in yeah. such a short space of time. And then you're kind of thinking, right, that's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks time, we've got Chelsea, uh, 10th of December, obviously a huge game, um, as they all are, because we talked about how tight the league is becoming. Um, Massive crowd expected at the Emirates. Are they games now that you, because the league is so tight, you must win almost? I think so, yeah. And I think they kind of always have been with Chelsea, with City, United now. Although every game, because sometimes we've gone through the season and we've lost one game or dropped a point here and that's what matters at the end of the year. But then coming up against... Chelsea if we can take points off them where they might not drop points elsewhere then that's obviously extremely important and being at the Emirates in front of a massive home crowd um, yeah you can't get much better energy than that so it's definitely one to look forward to. So you're coming up against one of the best strikers in the world and Sam of course teammate you know her very very <laughs> well what discussions are had leading up to it do you like do you guys then talk about I know you've come up against her before Jen mm. so try and beat her at yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like what, what do you try and do like is there something you try and work on or is there something you know about her game that you could possibly put her off or is there something you're working on or I mean we all know how lethal she is at heading right so it's like kind of like stopping crosses into a box would kind of be number one because you know she's pretty she's a threat from from that perspective but no of course I, th I think we try and prep as, as straightforward as possible as we do with, with all games and then those kind of extra little tactical elements. But 100%, when, when you're a teammate at international level or you know certain things about players, you'll, you'll have that in mind for sure. Or certain elements that you know they're going to bring to a game or not and try and keep focus on what you can exploit in, in those areas. Um, I feel like that's what we try and do as, as defenders for sure. But no, it's, it's unbelievable to, to have so many games at, at the Emirates this season. And, you know, we, it kind of feels like we have two homes with, mm -hmm. with Meadow Park and, yeah. and Emirates. And it almost feels like it doesn't necessarily matter what game we play at the Emirates, but it's, it's also cool to be playing a rival because, of course, you want to want to beat the rivals and um, North London be red, to put it like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's unreal to, to be playing at sold-out crowds. I think we've hit 45,000 at mm -hmm. this point and the way that the club's backed it, the way that the fans have supported us throughout the season already, um, they're huge games and we, we massively look forward to them. Emma Hayes, how big of an impact has she had on the game in this country? Huge. I mean, she's, she's been at the forefront, I think, for, for Chelsea for, for so many years and what she's done for the game, I think, She's kind of the definition of when someone didn't believe in something she did. And I think you can kind of see that with what she's done at Chelsea. She's, she's backed them for, for longer than, than most managers do. I'm sure she's had multiple conversations behind the scenes with the board, people higher up at Chelsea to back them as much as possible. And, and that's come to the forefront. They're, they are one of the most successful teams in this league and that she's a huge, she's a pillar um, in, that, in that sense. And it's... You know, it's kudos to her that she's got one of the biggest jobs in, in women's football now and it'll be a sad time for Chelsea to see her leave because she's done an incredible job and is held in such high regard, not just from people within Chelsea, but people within the whole WSL. So it's, it's um, I'm sure everyone will, will wish her well into her next chapter. Were you surprised that she announced that she was leaving <laughs> when she did? I mean, it's kind of one of those I ones. Th you kind yeah, of think, I think yeah. those, those elements that, yeah, because she was at the club for so long, but then... And you kind of think that, I, th I feel like you probably take it for granted, right? You probably presume a, a manager's going to be there forever because they, she, can I say she bleeds Chelsea or she, she's <laughs> such a huge part of it, you know? It'd be weird to see her in a USA kit. Has that mm -hmm. been confirmed? Yeah, yeah, yeah it has it's been yet. announced now. Yeah. Live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, um, But yeah, like you never, until that change happens, you don't expect it. But I think she's like fully deserved of, of that job. And, you know, it's, it's a, an amazing job for her to get. Mm. But I do think uh, she's a great fit for the US. I think she's a proven winner and obviously that's a mantra that they live by and she's got amazing players to go and work with and yeah, I think both sides are lucky to have each other. So it'll be interesting to see 
how they go. They've, she obviously has great information on Sam and all of us and all the English players, so <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but yeah, all the best to her. She's obviously done incredible things here and can leave with her head held high and go and achieve things internationally. We normally say as footballers, we, don't, we treat every game the same and you know there's a bit extra pressure on one game, the other game. But when you're playing a team like Chelsea, who it is a big rival and you know that they're going to be up there, they're about the end of the season, you're competing with them. Yeah there's an extra edge to it, isn't there? I always say it's like a game of chess, right? It's like those those full, it's concentration over over 90 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. There's kind of try and minimise errors, minimise mistakes, that the kind of, that's the expectation on my, what I would go into it. I think other games, of course you try and look at them all the same and that's the PC answer, but they're just different games. They're hugely intense. Physically, mentally, you know, they are 100% the hardest games in the league. I'm not sure if that's okay to say, but... It's the whole lead-up, right? Yeah. It's not just the yeah, day. Yeah, the, the hype around them now is, is massive. I guess the, the whole media exposure that they give and everyone's always talking about... You, you always find there's a bit more conversations going yeah. to the game, I think, between between teammates, between staff members. Yeah. There's that little bit extra of, of tactical work that goes into it. Everyone's always looking to do a little bit extra out on the pitch just so <laughs> they make themselves feel good going into a game and... I love it. I love yeah. the big games. They're, I think you pick it out football, you know? on the fixture as well. Like I yeah, know yeah, that I, that when as soon as the fixtures come out, I always go, uh-huh. And then you uh-huh. get the, the ticket request from your uh, mates yeah. a bit more as well. Like, oh, they always want to come well, down for the big the game. The example is we're talking about now, and it's still a couple of weeks away. Yeah, exactly. Sums it up. So come come May, what uh, will you hope that Arsenal have accomplished come May? I think it's a classic answer, but we we need more trophies. We want to win more trophies. I think getting a taste of winning the Conti Cup last year was, was great for us as a team to kind of instill that belief again. I think it was almost there, but we, ne- we needed to win a trophy and have that taste for success again. And I think this squad is by far the best it's been for, for a number of years, and it's much bigger as well than, than we've seen over the past few seasons as well. So... If we keep everyone fit and, and get that momentum, keep going to what we're doing, I think we're more, more, more than capable of it. So I'd say more trophies and everyone fit and healthy. Mm, yeah, yeah I mean, the same. I think, you know, we're not obviously not in the Champions League this year and that's a massive dagger for us. Like yeah. now that it's starting, it's really hard to watch. But I think that's created a bit of a fire to go out and win everything we possibly can because now... We're not doing that extra travel. We're not doing those, you know, massive, massive games that we've maybe done in the past. And we do have a full squad and some incredible players coming back. So we absolutely do believe that we can win things. And like Jenny said, we we need to. We want to, we need to. And yeah, hopefully we can win as much as possible. Just quickly, were you watching Champions League tonight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With like a bitter taste. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Still we'll watch, watch it. it. Fingers crossed we'll be back there next season. Yes. Wish you all the very best for the rest of the season as well. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Optusport Football Podcast. And remember, you can watch all of the games of the WSL live on Optusport. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.